live long and prosper. Well, I'm going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Shut up and take my money. By Grabthar's hammer. <laughs> what a saving. One does not simply walk into Mordor. X never, ever marks the spot. Until he's coming. You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. Hey, old Kermit the Frog here. Your ties are cool. So say we all. This is a play on nerds. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, boys, and girls of all ages, back to a very special episode of a play on nerds. I'm Steve. This other guy is Jarman. Always special. Every episode. <laughs> Every episode is a special episode, and this is no different. Some would say they're not special, but not me. Special episode. <laughs> and this week, in honor and excitement, anticipation of The Last of Us coming to HBO based off of the award-winning game series about a world ravaged by, uh, like, you know, plant zombies, basically. Mm, yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about another zombie gem and tie it into our classic bit, Rule of Three, where we re- review the third movie in a, a movie trilogy or other there's a lot more in this series. Oh, yeah. Uh, but this week, we're going to be talking about Day of the Dead. The third movie the 19, in the Dead series. <laughs> 1985, George A. Romero classic. Uh, and boy, is it a doozy. Whew. But before we get into that, Jarman, what have you been up since last time we talked? Last time we talked, it was in a different state. Yeah, but we were basically in Pittsburgh. If you guys listened to the last episode, you heard an in-person episode with not the best audio in the entire world, but we tried. For the ladies. <laughs> For the ladies. We had our both our ladies there. Uh, but since then, yeah, I had uh, two Christmases with the with the, the, the fiancé's family and my family, and that all went well. It was nice. Um, and uh, the New Year's I had with a couple of friends. Uh, we went to a friend's house out in uh, – part of Windermere, the part of Florida, and watched uh, part of this very strange Miley Cyrus uh, ball drop ceremony with Dolly Parton. It was very weird. Um, <laughs> and then uh, got back in the swing of things. Uh, finally, this this past week, with you know, get back in the flow and the schedule of going to the gym, doing work and that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I'm just, it's been a it's been a whirlwind, basically, coming back from Pittsburgh and doing all this shit. So what's, yeah, what's it been for you, buddy? Oh, man. Uh, same thing. We had three Christmases. Oof. We had Christmas morning with my parents. Uh, and then we had another Christmas like celebration gift opening thing when my brother and his wife and their daughter came back mm. from Georgia. And then we had Bauman family Christmas with the entire Bauman side of the family and gift exchange. Uh, my uncle hosted it. He bought a, a bought and renovated a church. What? Out in rural Pennsylvania. Uh <laughs> And they installed a bedroom and put in a bathroom and downstairs there's like a full kitchen and living room. Like it's very nice. Uh, and so they own a church on a on a river. Weird. They've got like riverfront church property. It's crazy. It's really beautiful. What part of town? Do you uh, remember what it's called? Uh, it is from where my parents were. It is southeast um, uh on the opposite side of, of uh, a town called McKeesport, which is where my, my dad grew up. Okay. Might become important later. We'll talk. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. All right. 
Um, but yeah, and then we got back safely with relative low travel drama, which was great. Nice. And now, same thing. We're getting back into the swing of things, getting Joyce back into the act of going to school. Right. Dilly going back to his classes. But a lot of that has been interrupted because California is getting dumped rain. Dumped rain. Like nothing that has ever been seen. What is climate change, like, Alex? Um, <laughs> it's... It's crazy. Mm. Like there's something similar that like this that happened in 95, but then it was done and we're just getting more. There are like oh. three more monsoon like storms heading our way. Oof. And no the, one there the one that's going to the one that's going to land tonight is the worst one yet and in certain places will dump up to 8 inches of rain. Oh, tonight while we're recording. Like overnight or tomorrow morning, maybe. Yeah, there's it is there is a huge storm inbound right now. And folks who don't understand who are overseas, perhaps, and maybe don't know about this, he's kind of in Southern California, uh, which is it's very unusual to rain. Period. So much so that I had a a girl I dated for a while back in college. She said she it was seven years old when she looked up at the sky and asked her mom, "What is that?" And her mom said, oh, darling, that's a cloud, a rain cloud, to be exact. And she didn't she had not seen a rain cloud until she was seven years old, at least that she could remember. And that's how infrequently it is. And they're having storms and storms and storms out there. This is very unusual. Um, So, yeah, I hope everybody's okay out there. You've been dealing with it. All right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, California. So just to give some context, California has been in, I think, a 20 or 22 year drought. Yeah, that too. And the wildfires, for everything. The, for the first time in like 15 years, the majority of California is out of like the the critical end of the drought scale. That is how much rain we've gotten. I mean, hopefully it, uh, it spreads out to that Las Vegas like uh, water source that they've been talking about that's emptying out for a long time now. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Hoover Dam. Yeah. Yes. It, it is so low. It's incredible. So you hopefully this rain will help that at least a little bit. Where it used to be. Uh, yeah, I mean, really, the hope is that it really packs on some heavy snowpack because that is what is going to feed the streams and feed the local weather systems gotcha. once this is done. Uh, but it is crazy. There's local flooding. They're watching the Guadalupe River, which runs 10 miles through basically through downtown San Jose. And it flooded 95 and flooded half of downtown. Um, so everyone's eyes are like on that right now to see if it's going to happen again. And unlike Florida, you're not prepared for floods. You're prepared for earthquakes. <laughs> well, no, and at this point, um, my, my coworkers got a buddy who works at like the local, um, like water services for Santa Clara County. And he's like, the groundwater table is full. It can right now, the ground cannot soak up any more water. Everything else is runoff. Nothing is going to, nothing is going to absorb. Everything is just going to flow. Lovely. Yeah, man. You guys on second floor? Um, (laughs) No, luckily we are in a, a very low potential for flood zone. Oh, good. For the county. Um, And because of the slope of the land, the expectation is that if there is flooding, it will flow north to south from the sort of creeks that are, to the east of west of us, but it will not flow inland, or is very lo- not low likelihood that it will flow inland. So you guys finally get these uh, this rain problems that we have in Florida all the time, every year. <laughs> yeah, man, this is nuts, though. Like, yeah, there's not it's prepared been crazy for it. here. So we have all of our emergency lighting stuff. That being said, like Anna and I are 
very well prepared compared to probably most people. We've got uh, candles and uh, flashlights and tons of glow sticks. Uh, we have emergency rations that we keep out in the garage. Um, we have an entire emergency kit in the back of the car. Nice. Um, so I, I would wager that we are more prepared than most. Probably. And I'm impressed you have a garage. <laughs> um, well, it's it, we we don't park in it because we need it for storage. Oh, of like, course. We have That's to what have I use it for. for storage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so. But yeah, so we've got so like one of the we've got two of those like 30 day food supplies out there in like a big bucket. So basically, Steve and I went from uh, being in Pittsburgh where there's a, a bomb cyclone uh, snowstorm to now he goes home and he's going to worry about floods. So there you go, folks. Oh, yeah. Jarman <laughs> saw some crazy weather in Pittsburgh. Negative 17 while you were degrees there, the, at one point. The low, the low is negative three with wind chill. I think it was like negative 26 or something like it was insane at I one point. don't know what the the Celsius conversion is. Sorry, folks, but it's, it cold. It's bad. It cold. It cold. <laughs> it's cold enough that like we wanted to shovel the walk that first morning and like my hands hurt from not having gloves on. And because I had a beard as I was helping him shovel or I was more scraping off the car, I didn't realize I was sweating because my body is doing activity. And my beard got crusty with ice from my sweat turning to ice. <laughs> it was so cold. It was that cold. But then by the time we left, high of 58. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, man. Climate change is real and it is happening right now. Yes. But on that note, I think what brings us some uh, nerdy news. Nerdy news. All right, so in honor of us doing Day of the Dead as our movie review, I'm doing Year of the Dead. This is the Dead Celebrities of 2022. Uh, I went through a long list of people, but I, I just filtered out just basically everyone that would be related to this podcast or that Steve and I would be knowing about, probably our listeners as well. Uh, first, we have Kirstie Alley, um, a complicated figure, but also in a Star Trek film. Star um, Trek 2. That's right. Um, but she was Scientology related. She had a lot of weird views, unusual character. Uh, but look who's talking now is what I think of her back in the day. Look who's talking. That's, and that's, that's a fair assessment. Yep. Uh, Bob McGrath, founding cast uh, member Bob of Sesame McGrath. Street. I knew Steve would like that because, you know, puppet guy. Oh, Bob. What a sweet man. Yeah. And Gallagher. Uh, I actually watched the ca comedian Gallagher. He's the guy who smashes the, uh, the watermelons, but I watched him a lot as a kid. But he turned into like a real like kind of Trumper weirdo in his later years, so it's unfortunate. But I saw him live twice. I had his signature. I had his his <laughs> autograph on like a hat. And you sure it wasn't his brother? Because sometimes his brother toured as Gallagher. The, so I believe the first time I saw him, it was him. Okay. Because there was a lot of there was a lot of um, routine I'd never seen before. Because mm. I'd seen a lot of the specials. The second time I saw it, I'm 95% sure it was his brother oh, wow. because it was all old material that oh, his brother had clearly licensed to him. Yeah, yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> um, so the first time I think it was real. The second time I think it was bullshit. I think probably uh, both of our dads liked Gallagher. That's probably why we saw him so much. Yeah, like we saw the specials and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Kevin Conroy, uh, the voice of Batman for so many years. And some would some would argue the best Batman. 
Yeah. I mean, I just played Arkham Asylum the first time last year, and it was wonderful, and his voice throughout it. Um, and then he came out as gay um, like last year, and he said when he came out, he's like, I've actually been kind of open about this for a while, but no one's talked about it. And he's just like, it was just very big thing having our first gay Batman basically in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're sad he, he had cancer. So it's really kind of sad. Uh, Robbie Coltrane, uh, which sounds like a uh, R and B singer from the nineties, but it's actually Hagrid. You're a wizard, <laughs> Harry. He uh, strongly supported uh, JK Rowling's trans views, which is sad. But uh, besides that, he was, he was Hagrid and it's sad that he's gone. Um, yeah. Angela Lansbury. I mean, gosh, oh, Mrs. Wrote, Potts, Mrs. Potts. She's gone. She's been old for 30 years. <laughs> so I think she was old in Murder, She Wrote. And that was the fucking 80s. I know. For, yeah, 50 years almost. She's been old. So I don't know how she was still around, but she Same was with Maggie Smith. Do you remember how old she was in Sister Act? <laughs> the movie was 30 years ago now. 40 years ago now. Probably Sister Act. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, Loretta Lynn. Uh, country singer and Muppet Show guest that we've reviewed on our yep. other show, Muppet Track. Yeah, country star. Uh, Coolio died last year, which I had forgotten about. That's really sad. He uh, had that one good song in the mid-90s. We spent it most our lives, which is a, a sample of another song. But he was, that was it. That him. being said, any song that breaks through mainstream and gets to white people, like gets any to rap weird song out. like that that breaks through, and it was one of the first that really did that. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, it was monumental, and it bought him a career. Yeah, he kind of uh, was record-breaking there. Uh, Louise Fletcher, she played Nurse Ratchet in uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but also Kai Wynn is what I knew her from, from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which Steve will get to eventually. She is amazing mm-hmm. on that show. You hate her to death, and it's wonderful. Uh, Queen Elizabeth II, for our UK listeners out there and our Canadian colony, uh, for Queen Elizabeth, she passed away last year. I'm laughing. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. We're all one of their colonies. Yeah, kind of. But she was very old, and it was expected. Uh, Anne Heche, tragic, sad life, that woman. That was just crazy. Like, died in a car fire? She crashed into a house. Luckily, she didn't kill anybody else. Um, But she was always had mental issues um, throughout her life, and it's it's rough. But uh, she was a good actress. Just she had a lot of issues. Uh, Olivia Newton-John from Greece fame and lots of other things, but and Xanadu as well. Um, Very sad. She was talented artist and the shell Nichols close to my heart. I'm glad I got to meet her. I met her once at Dragon Con. Just said hello. I took a picture with her and she was very sweet. Even at the time, she seemed kind of, this was years before she died. Uh, she seemed kind of not with it, even at that time. So I knew that it was going to come eventually. Um, but she was so sweet and nice, and she loved her fans. Um, James Can, many people know him from Elf these days, but you know he's been an actor for years and years. Right. Probably in movies with Ray Liotta, the next person on the list. Another tough guy actor. Uh, Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta, uh, special uh, special guest in Muppets in Space. Oh, yes, you're right. He was really good in that. Yeah. Uh, Robert Morse, the original J. Pierpont Finch from How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. <laughs> and also Cooper in That's Mad right. Men, which Anna, your wife, is a big fan of. And I, I watched that whole show. Mm-hmm. He was really good in that. I, didn't, I did not realize that was him until I saw his death thing and saw that he was both those people. I'm like, oh, my God. In high school, Steve and I did How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, the musical and we watched that movie, of course, because that was our one reference point. 
I didn't realize the same guy. Anyways, Gilbert Godfrey. Uh, very sad that he's gone. Um, he's a funny guy. William Hurt. In a lot of things, he was too young. I'm sad he went. He was going to be uh, also uh, Ross in the MCU franchise, but now replaced by Harrison Ford. Bringing in Harrison Ford. It was even he's older. flying a plane in just for it. He was probably 10 years older than William Hurt, and now he's playing uh, Ross. Uh, Emilio Delgado, fix-it shop owner oh, on Sesame Street. Lu- Luis. Oh. Yep. More people that like a lot of us grew up with. Yeah, exactly. Sally Kellerman. Um, she was more famous for being in the MASH movie as the Hot Lips, I think her name was. But she was also in the first regular non-pilot episode of Star Trek, where Renoma has gone before. She played Elizabeth Denner, or Dr. Denner. Um, so, yeah. She also was the voice of Miss Finch in Sesame Street's Follow That Bird. I didn't know that. I love Follow That Bird. That's great. Mm-hmm. Ivan Reitman, director of so many great movies in the 80s and early 90s. I mean, God, his I think that's the guy whose son's a total dick, but his, he's actually no, no, that's not the guy. Never mind. That's the wrong person. I don't want to slander anybody. But anyways, Ghostbusters, uh, so many more. Uh, Louis Anderson. Uh, we, Steve and I grew up with Louis Anderson being on lots of things. Great comedian. Uh, Meatloaf. Everyone knows. Meatloaf. Oh, and uh, we will see him later. I believe if we ever review the Jim Henson Hour. Oh. Uh, Louis Anderson was a guest on the Jim Henson Hour. Oh, nice. Okay. I think I, I like Louis Anderson. He's like a sweet costume, guy. if I remember correctly. Just seemed like a really nice, sweet guy. Uh, Meatloaf from Rocky Horror and obviously his own albums and all that stuff. Man, w- one of the greatest voices of a generation. It's just too bad that he was a trumper toward the end. Um, <laughs> then we have Bob Saget, which was really sad, too. Uh, too young for him as well. And then Sidney Poitier, who gracefully lived out his life to his old age and had a wonderful career and is well-loved. That kind of ends my list of the dead celebrities of 2022, my nerdy news segment. So now that brings us to our main segment. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about Day of the Dead in Rule of Threes, one of our old bits. We reviewed the third installment in a film franchise. And we're talking about it because The Last of Us is about to come in and sweep the world with plant zombies. That's right. Let's talk about some of the originals. And what were the first two movies that came out before this one? Uh, Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. And then it was Day of the Dead is the Dead Trilogy, as George Romero called it. Yeah. The director and I think writer as well of these films. Um. So we open with a group of survivors led by Sarah, a doctor on a helicopter. They sit down in a town in Florida looking for survivors, but they find no one alive and instead find only the dead. They make their way back to their underground base, which is it seems to be an old RV and boat storage facility in Seminole County, Florida. Uh, with only a few people left, this hastily set up science outpost uh, had some military backing uh, with the idea that they were going to figure out what was wrong and solve the zombie problem. But tensions are running high. People are beginning to fray at the ed- edges. The commander, who was kind of cooperative with their scientific research, is now dead. And a new hot-headed lieutenant named Rhodes is in Oof. charge. And he's going to scrap this whole thing along with his jackass cronies. <laughs> The science team isn't without results, though. Dr. Logan, their chief scientist, who they refer to as Frankenstein, is trying to figure out how to sort of tame and teach the dead to cooperate and even has some success uh, with uh, a a particularly passive zombie named Bub. 
Bub. Uh, but the military leader wants results now. Tensions begin to run high as the doc buys for more time, but while getting test subjects, zombies, out for an experiment, the protagonist's gentleman friend is bitten. She amputates his arm and believes that they've that she stopped the infection, but the lieutenant isn't having any of it and wants the man killed. While things come to a head, when the military man finds out that the crazy doctor has been experimenting on his dead men and feeding their flesh to Bub, uh, he kills the doctor and the military men go on a rampage. The protagonist and her allies are in a tough spot. Two of them are forced into a zombie cage while the other is forced to fly the military men out in one of their helicopters. They resist, narrowly escape. Meanwhile, uh, the freshly amputated man comes up with a plan and he disables the power boxes and then takes the elevator up, luring in the dead with his own flesh and then letting them into the compound. Things quickly degrade as the remaining military members are torn to pieces and the quote-unquote good guys make their way to the helicopter and take off. The movie ends on a beach with the doctor and the helicopter pilot sitting, enjoying a little bit of peace and sunshine in their apocalyptic world. So, Jaron, was this the first time you'd seen this movie? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Have you? Oh, yeah. You've seen it before. I'm a... Oh yeah, I'm a huge fan of the zombie genre. Oh, I haven't. Been. Um, like, <laughs> like one of one of my two tattoos is my zombie bite on the back of my ankle. That's right. I forgot about that. Um, and so because of that, I've seen a lot of zombie films. I'm not one of those people that has to see every single one. I admit that it's such a saturated area that there's some real shit. But like, if you like zombie and you haven't seen all the Romeros, like, what are you doing? Yeah, like I love he The Walking Dead. Invented the genre. And I and seeing this now, we'll talk about this more later. But like, I see all the inspiration that went into The Walking Dead from this, into like everything. Well, yeah, it's he created nuts. the zombie genre, the zombie name. Like it's he nuts. made it what it is. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, like Tolkien. Like every like every fantasy thing is just Tolkien rehashed because he invented it exactly. And this <laughs> and he is this is the and, and just even like the. Um, I'll mention this later, but like the the fact that the military versus the scientists is like a ba- very basic thing that he Romero has created here in this film that repercussions throughout all zombie films and comic books throughout you know history now, like in Walking Dead constantly civilians versus military military always get overzealous they become fascists and there's always like the scientists and civilians trying to figure things out and they can't do it because there's fascists stopping them. And that's like from this movie, basically this silly movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man. But, um, so some things I loved and continue to love about this film because I hadn't seen it in probably a decade. Mm. Um, uh, you're right. Very simple story in that perspective, like dead or outside people are inside. People are fighting. Bad things happen. Right. Um, I loved, I really did enjoy the subtlety of, um, like the doctor, like the doctor, the main doc felt like he was an actor in a better movie. Yeah. I guess like he that. felt like the Raul Julia of this film. He like was the he one was guy really, who probably belonged somewhere else. <laughs> right. He was a higher caliber of actor that somehow was in this movie. Um, I also like the subtlety of the, we'll say the, the lead zombie bub. He was actually I very, it was very good. well played, sympathetic looking, um, and really conveyed, I don't know, like emotion for a zombie, but like who can like, 
I don't know how you say that with a straight face. Well, because I kept thinking um, that when I watched him, he could have been very giggle inducing and silly inducing, yeah. but he, you actually, he treaded the line very carefully. It was close sometimes, but you actually felt for him and weren't laughing at his performance. You, you thought, and it then was when good. he finds out the doctor was killed and like takes vengeance, it yeah. was so good and justified feeling. He was in a better movie too. <laughs> yeah. Him and the doc were in a yeah. better film than <laughs> the were. rest of the yeah. actors. Um, great. I mean, just spectacular practical effects. The gore, gore effects. effects. Yes. Like I admit, if you are not into gore, like Anna really had to look down for most of those sort of segments. But if you like that, it is really gore and film gore done at its absolute finest. So I will say, I, I put this in my notes too, that the gore effects are fantastic. The makeup on the zombies is terrible. Some of them are real bad. And it's funny yeah. is that it's Greg Nicotero who did the basic zombie makeup because um, Tom Savini, who's like became a legendary gore effects artist, uh-huh. he did the gore. But uh, Greg Nicotero eventually becomes the main makeup artist for The Walking Dead and an executive producer of The Walking Dead. He's actually the blonde soldier in this movie, too. Um, but, but yeah, it the, just the felt makeup, like he did the basic makeup of the zombies. It looks awful. They're like green and that's it. They're just green. It feels like the prosthetics <laughs> weren't where they needed to be. They ended up looking almost like animalistic, almost monkey-ish, like gorilla-ish almost. They, like, them. they had blatant circles around their eyes and then just green makeup elsewhere. Whereas like it didn't match up with the wonderful gore effects. The gore effects were awesome. I mean, stellar. Yeah. Just stellar. Um, some weird transitions to make them happen. Like there were some clearly some camera tricks that had to be employed that made for some goofy setups. <laughs> like at one point, one of the guys is like diving away from a zombie and like dives back, but there's another one, and he like very clearly positions himself on top of a pallet, and so it was it was so they could do a body rip away, right? But like him getting into position for this shot, the way they had to get it was it was weird. It was weird and contrived. (laughs) That's funny. Um, But some brilliant practical effects and just sort of zombie like the story and the tension build was just done right. And also like it's another glimmer of what we see in The Walking Dead later is that by movie three of this trilogy, rule of three folks, um, the zombies aren't the antagonist. The antagonists are other humans. and whereas, like, that's where the progression goes with The Walking Dead, too. The season one, kind of the zombies are the antagonists. But slow, very quickly, it gets to be where the human, other humans who are terrible become the antagonist. And that happens in Absolutely. this movie. In this movie, the zombies aren't at all the antagonists. They're a looming threat, but the antagonists are these dickbag soldiers. <laughs> so it's interesting how that works out and how Romero created that. It's pretty cool. Um, some things that I struggled with, but even I feel like by the end realized why they existed and why they had to, mm-hmm. um, the, 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 the army guys, the military guys, the, the two main guys specifically were so incredibly over the top. Oh my God. Offensive and offensively written. And the main guy Rhodes, was like, was like so amped up always um it, it felt really unnatural and really really jarring it did at times that was my exact thing my list of things i didn't like too but so here's the but okay here but 
Um, you know, it's a classic trope in horror films to take kind of like the dick bag and make sure the audience knows they're a dick bag so that you don't <laughs> have to feel guilty when something bad happens when to them later because they were a dick bag. Yeah. And these guys' deaths were going to be so bad and so graphic <laughs> that they had to make them not just terrible, but incredibly terrible. Mm-hmm. To justify the audience not feeling bad about what we had to witness happen to them. That is a great point because I will say a few times I'm like, man, this is all the racial slurs that are being used by these guys. Like, I get it. They're dick bags, but like, man, they're dick bags. They're one dimensional dick bags. But then I remember George Romero, the guy who's making this movie, is a a person of color, a minority, um, and he's the guy who made the, like a, a black man the lead of his first movie in 1968, right. I think it was. And so he's doing this on purpose. Like he's making them so overly like the 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 racial slur towards Hispanic people was the one used the most. And yes. then that's the people who get their their eyes literally pulled out of their skull slowly. <laughs> like, oh, so, my God, that, guy, that was nuts. <laughs> exactly. But that but but so it was really jarring and really bad at times. But at the same time, they had to make it so bad that we really felt nothing when these insane gore endings happened to them. Right. Because they're just that bad. They're, they're, they're that they, terrible. <laughs> we had to feel no remorse for these guys because what was going to happen to them was just awful. Um, and so in that regard, it was successful once you understood that. Right. It was, I thought it was almost cartoony at times how terrible of people they were. Cause like, come on, they're, these guys are just completely one dimensionally terrible, awful douchebags. Like no yeah. one is that terrible off of a douchebag in hundred percent. Like I, but it was just it, yeah, you're right that it kind of makes it more more sense. Like you don't feel bad with their skin it's being just ripped that, off because like that they're classic trope being taken to an extreme. You're right. Yeah. Um. So, so yes, that was drawing and sometimes was bad, but at the same time, like really led up to very satisfying deaths. <laughs> I really love the fun, cheesy, over the top practical makeup effects. I love the cheesy over the top acting from the characters um, they uh, it was fun for me in that sense um i would I say the music the music was really charming um i put music throughout. was distracting at times because it was so loud and sometimes there were like congo drums like what the that fuck is, is going on why are there bo- oh, no bongo drums is what i wrote down like for this scene bongo drums like what were you thinking <laughs> so there's a little weird at times but the music was good other times but there's really distracting at other times i don't know um, so yeah, it's, uh, th- that's really my only complaint. And even my biggest complaints, like kind of fall away. Yeah. Cause it, it was it fun overall. Film. Uh, the lead actress I thought was really good. Um, mm-hmm. she basically is the protagonist of the whole film and she did a really good job. Um, she, you was, know, who else really acted the hell out of it was the guy who played her boyfriend who got his arm amputated, but I hated him. Like, <laughs> but his, his but him, like when she's trying to sedate him, he's like, "No, don't do it." And then he's, they hug and blah, blah blah. And then she does it, and he's like heartbroken. Like yeah. there was real emotion conveyed there, like real. Emotion. I agree with that. I think they just they didn't give enough, enough time to the audience to see why in the hell she was with him in the first place, because he's mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie, he's already at a point of distress and terribleness, and so we never see why she would ever be with this guy because he's always just terrible. But he didn't act it poorly. You're right; he was actually one of the better actors in the film. He was 
Right. So they just could have used some scenes to show him being more endearing before he lost his shit. Um, True. He started broken. Yeah. He was already broken. And like, why was we don't know what he was like before that. So he just seems terrible. Um, But he did save them in the end, I guess. So that kind of helps. But a little bit of redemption there. So I'd recommend it for uh, folks. It's a cult favorite now. So there you go. It absolutely is. And besides the really over the top acting, it really it really does hold up in sort of a timeless sense. It's locked in an era. Oh, I did put a the whole movie can be described as zombie wrangling, followed by a scene of someone monologuing while the rest of the cast watches from nearby tables. Because <laughs> sometimes they're of, outside a door or outside a door or somewhere. Someone monologues and then more zombie wrangling and then someone monologues. But it's it's still fun. It still works. It's it's fun, guys. Check it out. <laughs> so, so some trivia for the movie. You ready for this? Hit it. All right. All the extras who portrayed zombies in the climax received for their services a cap that said, I played a zombie in Day of the Dead. A copy of the newspaper from the beginning of the film, the one that says the dead walk and one dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the original script for which George A. Romero couldn't get budget, uh, oh, he couldn't get the budget for the original script, involved the scientists living a- above ground in a fortress protected by electrified fences and the military living safely underground. It also involved a small army of trained zombies and the conclusion to the trilogy more brutal than the release version. Uh, this later became the basis of Land of the Dead in 2005. Yep. So. On the special edition DVD, director George A. Romero claims this is his favorite film out of the original Dead trilogy, even though it was the least uh, successful financially. Uh, The underground facility was not on a soundstage. It was shot in the Wampum Mine, a former limestone mine near Pittsburgh. (laughs) This is what I want to bring up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That was being used for an underground storage facility. The 2,500,000 square foot mine is now operated as the Gateway Commerce Center and is referred to as a subsurface storage facility. I'd love to see this place next time we're in Pittsburgh because yeah, what man. the hell? It's there in Pittsburgh. That was crazy. Most of the zombie extras in this film were Pittsburgh residents who volunteered to help in the film. Um, real pig intestines were used during the gore scenes. And then all above ground scenes were filmed at several locations around Florida, as Steve mentioned earlier, uh, where George Romero was living at the time. That's why it was in Florida for the above ground scenes. But they found this crazy ass mine in Pittsburgh and they they went there for that. Uh, The zombies moaning, groaning, growling, roaring and feasting sounds happened to be played by the voice of the talented actor Mark Dodson, who played the voice of Salacious Crumb, Jabba the Hutt's sidekick and court jester. In Star Wars Episode <laughs> Six: Return of the Jedi. <laughs> that guy, exactly. We all know him. Um, Private Johnson, a blonde one of the soldiers, is Greg Nicotero, who would later go on to be the lead makeup artist for The Walking Dead and executive producer for the show. So you'll see him in the movie. Um, he's much less good looking now. Uh, the blood and entrails used in the disemboweling of Captain Rhodes, the main villain guy, were real. Pig intestines and blood were procured from a nearby slaughterhouse uh, in Pittsburgh and used to make the scene. Uh, During filming, the refrigerator housing the intestines and blood was unplugged by custodial staff and the entrails started to spoil, causing most of the most of the people involved in that scene to become physically sick. 
Um, in the Blu-ray edition of interviews, the guy who played Rhodes, Joe Pilato, says that he can still smell them to this day. Yeah, so, man. That's rough. So that there you go, folks. That is Day of the Dead. It's good times. Bam. Well, now to go along with our zombie episode, uh, I've got a game. Woohoo! Well, everyone loves that classic zombie theme song, Zombie by the Cranberries. Love it. Zombie. 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 So the name of this game is Zombie or Zombie. <laughs> What's that mean? <laughs> what it means is I've got the name of some lesser known zombie films and the names of a bunch of cranberry songs. <laughs> And you, Jarman, <laughs> have to tell me if they are zombie or zombie. Okay, that's pretty genius. <laughs> you have to think, you have to do it that way. I or, didn't even mean to push that there, button, but it worked. Or there are no points. No points. <laughs> are you ready for zombie or zombie? Yes. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> yeah, serious now. Serious. <laughs> the Beyond. Zombie. I'm sorry, that's a zombie movie. Oh, damn it. Animal Instinct. Okay, that one's zombie. That is. That is zombie. <laughs> I'd heard of that one. I knew that was their album. <laughs> uh, all Over Now. Zombie. That is zombie. <laughs> I'm glad you're doing it too. <laughs> Empty. I'm going with a zombie movie. No, that is zombie. <laughs> Are all of them zombie albums? I don't know. <laughs> all right. Rabid. <sighs> Fuck. How many albums do they have? <laughs> Uh, these are songs. These are not albums. These are songs. Oh, songs. Okay. I think the first one you answered was coincidentally also the album That's name. That's probably why I remembered that. Okay. We're right. Rabid. Uh, that could be a zombie movie name. So I'm going to zombie movie. That is a zombie movie name. Yes. Okay. All right. Dead Meat. I know that that's a that's a movie. I've, I know that is. that is that is that okay. is a zombie movie. You're right. I haven't seen it, but I know that is a movie. All right. All right. Salvation. Zombie. That's right. That is zombie. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to our, our children right. in the future. Let's see. Right. Wild Zero. Oh, terrible movie name. So I'm going to go with zombie. I'm sorry. That is a zombie. <laughs> oh, God. These are movie names, right? Movie names. Yeah. Jeez, oh, that's a terrible movie name. All right. We're down to our last two. <laughs> the Midnight Hour. I'm going to go with um, movie name. That is. That is zombie. Oh, yes. That is zombie. Sorry, zombie movie right. name in regular voice. Uh, all right. In the end. Mm, in the end. Zombie. That's right. It's zombie. <laughs> yes. 
German, you did very well. Thank you. Uh, on zombie or zombie, <laughs> you got <laughs> you got seven out of ten. That is better than I usually ever get. Wow. But I was looking, and there were a lot. There were like three more cranberry songs I could have picked that could feasibly be zombie movie titles. <laughs> they just like that theme, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> So that's what's in your head, zombie or zombie. <laughs> wonderful, <laughs> wonderful job, Steve. Hi, if you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. All right, so I got uh, two recommends real quick for us here. Um, basically, I had some time to... Sit down and watch some movies. We found this little new groove where, like, I'm on the couch with uh, my fiance mm -hmm. and she's doing playing her Mass Effect or some other game that she's playing, and I get on my laptop with my headphones on and I sit there and watch a movie, and it's just lovely. We're sitting next to each other doing something different, but I love watching cheesy action movies, and they release so many of them now to streaming. If you folks don't even know, like, they have these huge deals with big action stars and movie stars to be on Netflix, on HBO, on. All these different streaming services. So two I watched was Bullet Train on Netflix and Nobody on HBO Max. So I watched mm -hmm. Better Call Saul. I loved it. Bob Odenkirk was in this basically kind of John Wick style movie. Uh, you know, old hitman pulled out of retirement movie. It was fantastic. Really funny. Silly. Not a not a uh, Oscar winning movie, of course, but just him kicking a lot of ass and a lot of action and really funny. <laughs> Uh, so watch that on HBO Max. Bob Odenkirk, Connie Nielsen. You remember her from being the mom of uh, Wonder Woman uh, in the recent movies. Mm -hmm. And Christopher Lloyd, of all people, the guy from Back to the Future. So, yeah, nobody, HBO Max. And then Bullet Train on Netflix, it got some press. That is Brad Pitt as the main star. Uh, it was right to Netflix produced movie. Aaron Taylor Johnson, who played, uh, you know, Quicksilver in the in MCU. Oh, uh, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, Hiro, Hiroyuki Sanada, who you might not know the name, but you'll recognize that Japanese actor with the awesome low voice who kicks a lot of ass, and he played Scorpion in the last Mortal Kombat movie. Uh, I think he was he's in a lot of other things Air, now, too. Aaron, whatever the hell, is currently the front runner to be the next James Bond. Oh, they were also saying his next front runner to be the next Wolverine, but, you know, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, Hugh Jackman's still Wolverine, so that guy well, can hold Deadpool on. Well, for Deadpool 3. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, Bullet Train, though, also I think might be slightly better of the two because it also has so many other people you'll recognize in the movie and some hilarious big-time celebrity cameos. And it's just a funny, fun movie, and it constantly moves. It's probably two hours, but it just it moves right by. So check out Bullet Train on Netflix. Once again, not Oscar-worthy, but just fun. Uh, so both those movies, Sunday afternoon kind of thing, whatever you got. Not for the kids. They're both nice, very, they're nice. very violent, very gory, both of them. So don't watch them with the kids. But yeah, fun times. Uh, I'm going to hijack your your radical recommends. Sure. And just double down on a wreck of Warren I already gave. Mm. Um, so Willow finished up. Oh, yeah. I watched every episode. I didn't give up, but I should have. <laughs> oh, no. It continued to be a bowl of shit, just a huge bowl of shit. That's terrible. Irredeemable storytelling, terribly drawn characters, 
by the time you get to these big character moments in later episodes that should feel great, they feel terrible because there is no motivation and there hasn't been enough story development to make them worth anything. Oof. Um, so Willow, I guess watch it, but it's, it's, it started bad and the middle was bad and they changed things up at the end by making it really bad. How do these multi-million dollar franchises get to air with bad scripts? Like we show the best minds on these things. I don't understand. I don't know, man. I feel like all the best minds are like doing Marvel stuff right now. And they're like, all right, we'll give the C team to Willow. I guess. Like, um, one thing I will say, there was one shining gem in this huge bowl of shit that was Willow. <laughs> and that's uh, Tony Revolori. Uh, who plays Flash Thompson in the um, the most recent installments of Spider-Man. Yeah. He is acting his heart out and trying to be sincere and is the one character that halfway developed to the point where you care. Mm. And I, I credit it to Tony Revolori as an actor because it wasn't the script and it wasn't the people he was acting with. He was great in the recent Spider-Man movies, so like he played the hell out of that he, character. He is maybe the only reason to watch Willow. Oof. Well, if I can hijack this one more time, because it reminded me that I watched another show that is probably old news for a lot of our listeners, but Star Trek Brave New Worlds, it's... Okay. Uh, I finally caught up on it because I was so behind on my Star Trek shows. It's probably one of, if not the best Star Trek I've seen. Um, you don't need to have watched any other Star Trek to watch it. It's not reliant okay. on on things you've seen in the past. Um, Steve will like it because it's Captain Pike. He'll know Step- Captain Pike uh, from the get-go. That's who stars in the show um, from the original pilot of Star Trek. But it's so charming. It's it's episode of the week. Like There's a continuing story, but at the same time, each episode self-contained with a new alien of the week, a new civilization, a new problem. Um and it's just, he might be my favorite captain of any Star Trek show I've seen, and I've seen all of them. Um, so it's just saying a lot. It's 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 fantastic. It's The characters are great. They're well, unlike Willow, what he was just saying, the characters are well-rounded, well-built up. You care about them. You're learning about each crew member uh, from each episode, uh, which they kind of messed up with Discovery. Discovery, they weren't learning enough about the crew members as you went along. Whereas this one, you're like, you, all the crew members are cool, and you want to know more about them. Um, so yeah, Strange New Worlds, fantastic. I uh, can't believe okay, it. Okay, okay. Anyways, so that means some uh, trailer reviews, I think? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, this week for trailer reviews, uh, a new and much anticipated trailer came out for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumadia. We did get a kind of teaser previously. Um, but this one shows much, much more. It gives us an idea of the plot of the film to some extent and gives us a little bit more of the flavor of what we can expect. Um, I, for one, am very excited. I feel like the MCU has been... The advancement of the story has been on the back burner. Right. And now, mind you, some of that was because of COVID and they had to do some major rearrangement and reshoots. But nothing... None of the movies I feel like in Phase Four have driven some sort of overarching plot. Yeah, and the shows were just introducing new characters 
except for Loki, which Loki is kind of which playing right into this. Ha- yeah, had an existing plot and drove drove this overarching story. Right. That I'm so happy we are finally going to get more of. Two years later, basically. <laughs> Thank God, and and I'm hoping that that this movie will give the MCU a chance to refocus and get the audience's attention on what they need to be looking at. Yeah. There are too many open threads right now. There's just too many. I don't know what they want me to care about. It's like they were trying to figure out who was going to be leaving. What the hell's going on with COVID. They're kind of rehash, like kind of regrouping now. And this movie's kind of like right. the regroup. Of like, do you MCU. want me to care about the multiverse? Do you want me to care about time travel? Do you want me to care about the battles of gods on earth? Do you want me to care about super soldiers? Do you want me to care about what's going on in space? There are too many things right now, MCU. That's why that There's everything many. leading up to Endgame works so well, because it was all unified leading toward a certain point. And um, then they branched out everywhere, like you're saying. <laughs> yeah, they just... But if they can't refocus here for phase five... I don't know. The MCU's best days are might be behind it. Well, I think that's true no matter what. I don't think there's any way to replicate the the culmination of Endgame. Uh, I don't think that can happen again in cinema history. Um, See, I I think they could because you're right. This whole like Phase Four was just all introducing all these new characters reset hitting the reset button on spider-man getting a little bit of introduction of mutants introduction of the space timelines and maria rambeau and ms marvel and um you moon know Knight. Moon, moon Knight and young avengers stuff galore she hulk <laughs> and we in five or ten years time we may look back at this and be like oh man remember that time when they were setting all these characters up and we didn't know what they were doing and it all connects and it all connects that could happen. And they've built these characters in such a way that it could come together in a very satisfying way. Possibly. I don't know if it's going to happen, um, but it could. <laughs> I think the guy playing um, Kang the Conqueror is fantastic. Um, oh, Jonathan Majors. Yeah, especially because of this trailer shows you how different this Kang is than the one we saw in Loki. It's he who his, remains. His yeah. entire countenance is completely different. His entire movement is different than the he who remains guy. It shows that this actor is capable of playing completely different things, which he'll need because the comics tells us that there's so many Kangs all over the place. And so, yeah, I mean, he's, but I think already. that in that regard, we could be in for like, he could carry phase four, phase five and six. And I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm happy they found a guy who can act the fuck out of it because they need somebody like that to carry it. Exactly. But he gives me hope that that we aren't the best days aren't behind it, because the one thing that I think Jonathan Majors as King will offer that no other villain aside from maybe Loki has been able to offer is longevity. Mm-hmm. Most villains we've seen besides Thanos have been one and done movie villains. Oh yeah, and Loki. We don't have to care because we yeah. know they're going to be defeated by the end. Mm-hmm. But with Kang, we can get those satisfying defeats, those satisfying you know moments, and know there's going to be another one. And it's kind of purposeful and because ne- they chose an, an actor who's not so well known that they know they'll have a hard time keeping a hold of like Christian Bale. Like we knew it was gonna be a one-off villain because it's Christian Bale. Right. Whereas Jonathan majors. Yeah. He's in a few good things here and there, but he's kind of new. He's kind of, he will, 
he can relish this role for a while, which is nice. Um, so I'm excited. I hope it gives the MCU a chance to refocus, get their shit together and take us into fi- phase five because it, it really lacks focus right now. And we have our first view of Modoc. If people out there are Marvel fans, then the giant face man who had a show on Hulu for a while, played by Patton Oswalt. Um, uh-huh. But now we think might be Yellow Jacket. It is. Because his I mean, face looks just like him. <laughs> I Well, here's the thing. It not only did it just look, look just like him, but it looks so bad that it makes me think it's not. It makes me feel like that is something they put on for the trailer. Hmm. Because truthfully, it looked so like even if you watch that shot, his face overlay is so poor compared to every other thing you are looking at on that screen. And we know that Marvel has no problem hiding things in trailers, no problem completely misleading the audience in trailers. I kind of like the idea that it it looks bad on purpose and that uh, Ant-Man Scott Lang makes fun of him for it. He's like, your face looks terrible. <laughs> like, like, what the hell happened to you? <laughs> so that could be a, a, a comedic moment in the movie. Um, but no, I'm very excited. Very excited to watch everything come together. Yeah, it looks and just um, the whole cast looks fun. I'm I'm I am OK with the fact they recast the daughter because the actress is from Supernatural. We mentioned this in a previous episode with the last trailer, but she's a very good actress. The other one was kind of underwhelming from that small scenes you had before with Scott Lang. So I'm excited. Yeah, could be cool. All right. So I'm going to give this movie Raul Julia. He's in bed. He's been asleep a few hours. The lights are off. Suddenly the door slams open. Light turns on and there's Gary Busey naked, painted head to toe in blue. <laughs> and Raul is like, what is happening? And Gary Busey goes, hey, look, I'm Kang. I'm a time traveler. I'm going to go to the garage. And he runs out. <laughs> And Raul is just so mad because he didn't turn off the light before he left. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give this uh, one Raul Julia saying to Gary Busey, Hi, I'm Raul Julia. And then Gary Busey saying, Hello, I'm Gary Busey. Good to see you. Nice. That reverse action. That's right. Different universe. Oh, so that brings us to the end of this episode of A Play on Nerds. And next time, join us in a couple of weeks for the, um, in honor of the release of Avatar 2. It's going to be playing for a long time, I'm sure, in theaters. And the recent release tomorrow of M. Night, the next time this episode comes out, M. Night Shyamalan's Knock at the Cabin, we'll be reviewing the cinematic gem, The Last Airbender. That's right. Not Avatar, but The Last Airbender. I'm so excited. (laughs) So Avatar, as directed by M. Night Shyamalan, mixing it all together. Next time, check it out. Our interview with that. Uh, but you guys keep on coming back and being our nerdy audience. We will keep on coming back and being your nerdy co-hosts. And thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Feel free to email feedback at aplayonnerds.com with all your questions or comments. Shoot us a message on Facebook or Twitter and earn yourself a sweet shout out on the show. Review us on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts so even more nerds can find us. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, we aren't picky. Check out our entire back catalog and other offerings at aplayonnerds.com. And how? 
And there's Knock at the Cabin, which is um, uh, M. Night Shyamalan's new movie. So we could do like his first movie, which was that Sixth Sense or whatever. Or we could do Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, God. Another one of his highly successful <laughs> films. In the honor of Avatar being out and M. Night Shyamalan's Knock at the Cabin. <laughs> the great box office success and the upcoming anticipation of M. Night Shyamalan's <laughs> Knock at the Cabin. We're going to be reviewing Avatar The Last Airbender. I don't mind that, actually. That's pretty funny. I don't even think it's called Avatar. I think it's just called The Last Airbender because they couldn't use Avatar. <laughs> You're right. Uh, yeah, it's called yeah, the last airbender. It's called the last airbender. All right. Well, we found it. Oh Lord. <laughs>